The Flowering Stigma, brought to you by the CEU Microbiology Society, school year 2021-2022. Welcome to the fourth season of the Deflowering Stigma, a series of podcasts brought to you by the CEU Microbiology Society. In this season, our tagline is, Order up! We are now serving microbes. This season is all about food and water core diseases. For episode 2, which is what you're listening to right now, we will be tackling a disease that I'm sure most of us are quite familiar with, and that is Hepatitis A. Again, we would like to welcome you all to our fourth season's episode two. I am Julia Lim. I am Gillian M. Ramos, and we will be your hosts for this season. We are once again joined by our dear speaker from last week's episode, Sir Michael Desella. What an honor it is to have you again on the podcast. Please introduce yourself up to our lovely listeners. Okay, hi. Good day. It's me again. Uh, I hope this time I will give you a much more particular brand new information with regards to our very interesting topic, no? Hepatitis A virus. Thank you. I think today's episode may be familiar na no, to some or most of our listeners because it's all about hepatitis A or HEPA A nga, no? So to start this podcast po, what is the definition of hepatitis A? Okay, uh, first and foremost, let's first define hepatitis no? so that we are all on the same page. The suffix itis, no, itis, it denotes inflammation. And the word hepa means liver. Okay, this is not to be confused with the word nephron because most of the time there are, these two are confused. Eh? Hepa is for liver, nephron is for kidney. Okay, so hepatitis is an inflammation of the liver and nephritis is an inflammation of one or two kidneys. Okay, now with this thought in line, Hepatitis is basically, just like what I've mentioned, an inflammation of the liver. Now, particularly speaking of hepatitis A, no, it has the letter A on it. The letter A is actually a subclassification of the few types of viral hepatitis. It falls under the family of viruses called hepadnaviridae. Viral hepatitis means that this particular family of viruses is capable of inflaming the liver. Now, these viruses are capable of causing hepatitis. In fact, there are more strains of this family, including the also famous hepatitis B. There are also hepatitis C, HEPA D, and HEPA E. So it runs from letter A to letter E. HEPA A, HEPA B, HEPA C, HEPA D, and HEPA E. And all of these strains can cause viral hepatitis to humans once they acquire the virus of or the pathogen. Sir, what is the process of the life cycle of the virus? Okay, guys, the life cycle is more of an ambiguous term not to be used here, although justifiable to some, but some would argue that viruses are actually not considered as living organisms in a sense, no? due to the fact that viruses are not actually cells. They depend on the host cells for living, okay? For them to basically, you know, a term, you no, know, for living or for them to multiply. But per se, they are not cells. Viruses are a complicated assembly of molecules like proteins, nucleic acids, 
lipids and carbohydrates. No? But on their own, they cannot do anything. That's also why sometimes viruses are classified as obligate or holo intracellular parasites. Obligate meaning they cannot live outside of the host's body. They need the host to live or they need the host to prosper and multiply. And they are parasites, okay? Because when they infect a host, it is beneficial for them, but more often than not, it is not for the host. That is the reason why some scientists do not consider viruses as living organisms because they cannot multiply. They are not a cell and they cannot multiply outside the host. When a virus encounters a cell, a host cell, a series of chemical reactions occur that leads to the production of new viruses. Not new strains, okay? That is a different topic, but new viruses. These steps are actually quite passive which means they are predefined by the nature of the molecules that comprises the viral particle. We call this the virion, okay? However, talking about the way they quote-unquote multiply is just like any other virus, okay? So the hepatitis undergoes the same process of multiplication just like any other viruses, okay? Or viral replication, which are the following steps. We have absorption or attachment, wherein the virus attaches itself to the host cell. And then step number two, penetration. The virus will penetrate the cell membrane. Step number three is uncoating. Once the virus has successfully been able to penetrate the cellular membrane and is able to enter the cell, it will uncoat. It will get naked, no, literally, and open up its viral genome into the cell. It will release its viral genome into the cell which leads us to step number four, gene expression, okay? Once the viral genome is free-flowing inside the host cell, it will then create new copies of itself. That is called step number five, replication. Afterwards, we have step number six, the assembly. The assembly of the viral particles, meaning they are now ready to form more viruses, okay, from that viral replication. This differs in the two types of viruses that we have. No, we have DNA viruses and RNA viruses. In fact, hepatitis A in its family, Hepanaviridae, is a type of RNA virus. No? A good thing to know, this which is also important in this topic, the only DNA virus in the family Hepanaviridae is hepatitis B, which is the sexually transmitted hepatitis virus. Okay? So it differs going back to the genome assembly of the virus. After replication, the viral particles will then assemble. Para silang Avengers, mabubuo sila. No? They will now be ready to be released outside the cell. This happens different in RNA viruses and DNA viruses. In RNA viruses, the assembly happens in the cytoplasm. In DNA viruses, the assembly happens inside the nucleus. Okay, so once successful assembly has happened, the cell will undergo lysis. No? It will break and it will release more viruses from that one single cell. In fact, I think one cell can create up to 10,000 new copies of the virus. On the other hand, no, sir, how does hepatitis A transmitted to humans? Po? Okay, now we will be speaking specifically about HEPA A. No? The hepatitis A virus, or also called as the HAV, HAV, okay? 
So this virus is transmitted through ingestion of contaminated food and water or through direct contact with an infectious person. This might sound familiar with you because this is quite similar to how gergesis is transmitted, our topic last week. HEPA A is usually infected with HEPA A. Okay? This, this is one thing that is different from the parasitic infection last week and the viral infection this week because we cannot see Georgia lamblia, a parasite in the blood. There are blood flukes or blood parasites, but Georgia is an intestinal parasite. However, viruses such as HEPA A can be seen in the blood. Okay? And this stool and blood of patients are very contagious. It is spread when someone unknowingly ingests the virus, even in microscopic amounts, through close personal contact with an infected person or through eating contaminated food or drink. Just like what I mentioned, quite similar to how Georgia lamblia or georgiasis is transmitted. But remember that Georgia is a parasite. No, Georgia is a parasite. HEPA A is a virus. So this is to say that multiple organisms can be contracted by an individual simply due to poor hygiene or bad life choices. No? It is very important that as an individual, we are aware of how we can protect ourselves. We are aware of how to perform the proper hand washing because we are not only making ourselves vulnerable to parasitic infection but also to viral. Okay? Symptoms of HEPA A can last up to two months and may include fatigue, nausea, stomach pain, and jaundice. Okay? Most people with HEPA A do not have long-lasting illnesses and the best way to prevent HEPA A is to get vaccinated. What are the causes of acquiring hepatitis A? Okay, the risk of hepatitis A infection is associated, like what I mentioned, with a lack of safe water and poor sanitation and hygiene, such as contaminated and dirty hands, similar to gergesis. A safe and effective vaccine is also available to prevent this, okay? But in a sense, in the simplest way possible, the cause of acquiring HEPA A is due to just like what I mentioned to you last week, no? lack of self-awareness of the infection or of the environment, and also improper hygiene, particularly hand hygiene. What are the effects naman po of acquiring the virus? Well, not all cases, no? not all cases of hepatitis A is symptomatic. Okay, actually, more cases are asymptomatic. Adults, on the other hand, are more likely to have symptoms than children. And if symptoms persist, they usually appear two to seven weeks after infection. No, if symptoms develop, I mean, symptoms usually lasts less than two months. Although some people can be ill for a longer period of up to five to six months. In symptomatic patients, however, the symptoms that manifest are usually brought about by hepatitis. No, babalik tayo sa una kong sinabi kanina when we define hepatitis. In hepatitis, the liver is inflamed. So, it cannot function properly. Tama? The function of the liver or the job of the liver as our body's natural filter is compromised, which includes bile production, excretion, metabolism of fats, proteins, carbohydrates, and enzyme activation, to name a few. One important role, however, that our liver plays is excretion of bilirubin. Now, let me give you a brief description of what bilirubin is for those who are not familiar. Bilirubin is actually a product of natural erythrocytic apoptosis. Okay? 
erythrocytes are your RBCs, your red blood cells. They undergo apoptosis or cellular lysis after 120 days. That is the normal lifespan of an RBC, 120 days. After that, it will undergo lysis and then our bone marrow, with the help of erythropoietin, will then release new RBCs. No? The immature reticulocytes will mature into erythrocytes or mature RBCs. Now, the product of that natural apoptosis, natural cell death of red blood cells is bilirubin. The liver removes the unconjugated bilirubin and other organic ions that are bound to albumin okay, from the plasma, from the blood. When the bilirubin-albumin complex enters the what we call sinusoidal circulation of the liver, three distinct metabolic phases are recognized. Number one is the hepatocyte uptake, the liver cells. Number two is the conjugation of the bilirubin. And number three is the excretion into the bile, wherein later on, we will excrete it from our body. Now, when the liver is inflamed in cases of hepatitis, these functions are inhibited. Meaning, bilirubin is not excreted properly by our body. So what will happen? What will happen if the bilirubin is not properly excreted? It will cause a buildup. Maiipon siya, dadami siya there will be a buildup of this waste product which may lead to what? To jaundice. Okay? Jaundice will result in yellowing of the sclera, yellowing of the eyes. Kaya mapansin nyo yung mga pasyente or yung mga tao na mayroong hepatitis, may jaundice, dilaw yung sclera ng mata, dilaw yung mata, dilaw yung balat. Okay? This is due to the increased serum bilirubin. Dahil mataas ang levels ng bilirubin sa dugo and dahil nga mataas siya, it will reach the renal threshold. Meaning, it will not be reabsorbed anymore and then it will show in the urine which is a condition we call bilirubinuria. Okay? Bilirubinuria is a term that defines the presence of bilirubin in the urine. No, Urea is usually a suffix that denotes urine. No? Meron tayong proteinuria, glycosuria. In this case, we have bilirubinuria. Okay? Dahil sobrang taas ng level ng bilirubin sa lugo, lumalabas na rin siya sa ihi. Okay? It maxes out the renal threshold and the bilirubin may be seen in the urine and may cause an amberish-colored urine. No kulay amber, medyo dark yellow. Pero do not be scared pag yung ihi nyo sa, sa umaga eh, medyo dark yellow. That doesn't mean immediately meron kayong hepatitis. No, baka naman kulang ka lang sa tubig, baka dehydrated ka lang. Pero that is one of the common uh, signs of bilirubinuria, an amber-colored urine. Some people may also exhibit stomach pain, vomiting, nausea, diarrhea, and fatigue. How can we prevent hepatitis A? Well, the best way to prevent hepatitis A, Jillian, is through vaccination with the hepatitis A vaccine. To get the full benefits of the HEPA A vaccine, more than one shot is needed. The number and the timing of these shots depends on the type of vaccine you are given. So sometimes it differs per manufacturer. Practicing good hygiene, including thoroughly washing hands after using the bathroom, changing diapers, and before preparing or eating your food, plays an important role. I cannot emphasize this enough. It plays an important role in preventing not only the spread of HEPA-A, okay, HEPA-A virus, but also a tons of other pathogens. Okay? When we talk about vaccine for HEPA-A, there are actually two types. The first type is a single-dose HEPA-A vaccine. It is usually given as two shots, 
a vaccine is given as two shots, six months apart, and both shots are needed for long-term protection against HEPA A. The other type naman is a combination vaccine that protects people against both HEPA A and HEPA B. The combination vaccine can be given to anyone 18 years of age and older or is given as three shots over six months. All three shots are needed for a long-term protection for both hepatitis A and hepatitis B. A doctor can determine if you have HEPA A by discussing your symptoms and ordering a blood test. Okay, It's like what I mentioned earlier in the beginning that hepatitis A can be diagnosed through blood tests. It can be seen in the blood. And they can tell whether you have been recently infected with the virus that causes HEPA A. Now, to treat symptoms of HEPA A, doctors usually recommend a series of tests. No? Adequate nutrition and fluids. Some people with severe symptoms will need medical care in a hospital. So this will be difficult if the patient has already, for example, is left untreated. The jaundice is left untreated. The patient might experience liver cirrhosis and eventually liver failure. Okay, so it depends on the severity, how early is a disease diagnosed and how early is it treated and the treatment management or the regimen that the physician chooses. Thank you, Sir Michael, for the discussion about hepatitis A. That is all for today's episode. Tune in in our next week's topic because it's going to be about salmonella, the microbe that causes salmonellosis, and we will be also talking about Clostridium botulinum. If you would like to know more about this event and receive updates of our coming episodes, please like us on Facebook page, CEU Microbiology Society, and follow us on Instagram at CEUMS. Thanks for listening, mga kamicro. And always remember, may it be macro or micro, every single detail is worth focusing on. Bye!